Hey, have you ever wondered how real estate investors who manage massive properties manage them? Like, what do you do with a property that big? What are the goals for them? How do you manage them? And where do you end up focusing your energy? And the question is, is it really worth all of that work to own and manage? Welcome to the Path to Passive podcast, where we talk about building wealth and empowering lifestyle through commercial real estate investing for tech professionals. I always wish that other tech professionals reaching financial freedom had documented their journey along the way, so I'm doing it for the rest of us. Join us as we explore stories, many failures, and lessons learned along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. So in this episode, we're going to be covering some of the answers to these questions. So we'll be talking about the four different types of real estate strategies, why it's important for you to be aware of these strategies when building your investment criteria, how these strategies relate to the type of multifamily assets, and which type of strategies am I currently focused on right now and why. So hello and welcome to Path the Passive. My name is Steven Rita, and this is Path the Passive, the tech professional's guide to real estate investing, the guide for tech professionals that want to invest in real estate, get the maximum leverage with their capital to earn income, save on taxes, and build generational wealth. Hope you're having a great day today, and thank you for continuing your journey and growing your knowledge in real estate investing. Each week, we come to you from Austin, Texas, right where I am, to talk all things related to real estate investing and how you too can build your flows of passive income as a real estate investor. I'm going to be interviewing real estate leaders, entrepreneurs, and I'm going to be sharing some of the lessons that I've learned as well to provide tools and strategies to successfully invest in real estate. So with that, let's get into today's show. Today's episode is on real estate strategies and some of those topics I just covered. So if you've been following along in these episodes, then you've already known about the definition of what commercial real estate actually is. We have defined it previously. We've learned about different classes of multifamily real estate, and today we're going to be building on this investment criteria to really focus in on what we want to invest in. As you can probably guess, the reason why this is important is because to build your criteria based on your own goals, we want to make sure it's tailored specific to you. We all have different goals. We all have different lives. It's really that simple. So to illustrate, two quick examples, right? Imagine that you're in a Jeep, right? You, you probably wouldn't want to drive an open Jeep in the middle of the winter when it's snowing, and you probably wouldn't want to wear a jacket while you're in the middle of summer in Texas. The point I'm making here is that to be most successful to reach a goal, you need to align your strategy to whatever it is that you're doing. In our case, as mentioned, we want to have alignment to the type of real estate and our strategy. So this in mind, we know that we need to get clear about what the strategies are so we know how to apply them to the properties. So the first point we're going to be talking about is addressing the problem that we have right now is not knowing what these strategies are. So what are these strategies involved and where are the attributes, where are the risk and where are the potential returns? The second area that we need to make sure that we address is why are they important? Right, Just like we outlined those two examples above, driving with that open Jeep and wearing a sweater in the middle of summer in Texas, which sounds terrible to me. As important as to understand the types of strategies involved, we really want to understand what kind of returns we expect to get from these strategies. And on the flip side, what are the risks involved too? Every investment has some element of risk and return involved, and that's why we want to address that. And this third thing is, how do I mix? How do you mix and match these strategies to properties? 
which of these strategies work well together with the property types and which of these strategies work better with specific types of asset classes. So as you get educated about these strategies, you can start to see how they map together, right? It's just, it's just a small matrix. You get to see, you get to learn about them, and you get to mix and match them so you can get the most optimal combination. So let's dive into the material for today. Like I said, point one here is we're going to be talking about the main types of strategies that are involved and, and what these are. And the first one is core. The second one is value add. And the third one is opportunistic. Now, the second one, value add, has a, a, a sub one called core plus. I'll talk about that. It just depends on who you talk to. So let's get into it. The first one is core. Now, you can think of core as the standard buy and hold investment. Core investments focus on slow, consistent returns through steady rental income growth. Investors target those premium and higher-priced assets occupied by quality, credit-worthy tenants on long-term leases. I'll say that again. We're talking about having premium and higher-priced assets, right? Premium and higher-priced assets occupied by higher-quality tenants, right? These assets... These properties are well-located in metro hubs, they have higher demand, and have land constraints, as in, they're in desirable places, and there's not a lot of area to build around them that would change that supply and demand, right? So there's a moat around supply and demand bubble, so to speak. So you have higher priced assets, and you have constraints around supply and demand so that you can't introduce a bunch more supply. You can't introduce a bunch more properties just like it that would affect that demand. So the demand stays high is the point. So because these assets usually have higher quality tenants and stability of cash, they're going to have uh, a lower, they're going to have a lower risk or a lower uh, return profile, but the risk as well, like anything, there is risk. And here you're going to have a smaller risk as well. So the point is, is that for core here, what we actually have is a lower risk and a lower return profile altogether. Now, if you're thinking about these type of properties, like class A assets, again, class A, these higher premium, higher quality type of properties. Again, if you need to refresh on that, go back and listen to an episode previously. These are the class A assets, we, we, and these are just, you can think about them sort of like bonds as an example, right? Uh, due to the stability and the predictability of that return. All right, so the core plus is the subcategory. As I said, we'd cover this briefly, so I just wanted to mention this. And what core plus can be referred to, core, that, that stability and lower risk, lower return profile like we just talked about, but it's plus. And what that really means here is that you can think about this as growth and income, right? Because there can be light improvements that are done and you get to manage out some you know efficiencies or bring in some, more, um, uh, some higher tenants. Um, and still, you know, higher quality and highly occupied though. But the difference here is that the risk is low to moderate and the return is, is low to moderate. There are percentage bases here, which are attached. Um, and, uh, the it's it, it typically for the core, what you're going to end up seeing is like a six to 9% on what's known as an IRR. And I'll be breaking down these, down these terms in, a, in a, a later episode, but 
for the core plus, it's usually a, a nine to 15. So one was six to nine, and this one is nine to 15. Again, this, this is a internal rate of return. It's a metric on how returns come. And we'll be talking about this in later episodes. As always, if you have questions and you really need to know right away, uh, please feel free to reach out. I'll give my contact information later on at the end of the episode. So we talked about core and core plus. Here we're talking, the next one is value add, right? So this is a value add. Now this is just like the buy it, the fix it, uh, and the sell it strategy. While there's higher risk in the core strategy, there's higher earning potential too. The returns are dependent on capital growth value through active asset management. Assets, um, the market value is driven by the risk return profile, and this is considered value add for investors as they attempt to achieve capital value through forced appreciation. And the what forced appreciation is, it's just fancy to, to say, like I said, this is the equivalent to that buy it, fix it, and sell it strategy. So forced appreciation, we're doing capital improvements, right, where we're spending money to fix roofs, to put in um, new playground areas to uh, make the pools look better, to put in new um, areas around uh, the apartment complex that the type of tenant that you would want to uh, really appreciates, right? And so that's what what that's what they're talking about here. And so, you know, as a value add, um, also there's potential for there to be for it to be mismanaged, right? Something like. Uh, it to be have been mom and pop type of systems that can be improved to literally add value in this strategy. And we talk about mom and pop, we're talking about um, maybe things that are done more manual, as an example, maybe that uh, don't have the latest systems involved to really make management that much better and that much more efficient, um, which could lead to not only, you know, greater efficiencies, but less, uh, you know, fat fingering, so to speak. So, you know, incorrect numbers, inputs into computers and all those, those types of things, which, um, you, you know, being in tech, we, we've heard of, you know, fat fingering too many numbers in with an extra digit or something like that. Right. And so, uh, these are the, these types of issues, um, uh, that can be addressed or what the investor will do to, to build a business plan um, to make the improvements. And that's why it's value add, right? And so when you make these improvements to increase occupancy, in, increase income and cut expenses, you are doing that value add, right? And this means the property, you know, will increases in value altogether. And so what we're looking to do here is uh, get, you know, get the property stabilized. Um, and stabilized means is it's considered at least 80% filled for a period of not less than a year. So basically a year or greater is what's considered stabilized to bring in a whole bunch of new tenants so that it's stabilized 80% filled for a year. All right. Now, a bunch of benefits there or a bunch of opportunities to increase the, the value here, but let's talk about this on the risk side. So on the risk side, when the main is the execution risk on the business plan itself, to get capital improvements done right, right? Operations handled and the asset stabilized uh, stabilization to be reached. You know, it could be bad if the strategy was to fail due to whatever the reason might be, uh, the investor might be forced to sell the property ahead of time with potential negative outcomes. I'm talking losing money, legal issues from the management team as well. All that said, the risk could be moderate to high here because we are acquiring it 
we are making these improvements. You know, money is made in the operations, right? Operational excellence, so to speak, um, uh, as well. And there's the uh, and there's the disposition or the the selling of the asset. But anyway, risk moderate to high, return profile moderate to high as well. So you can see that the, on the scale, we're going from core, core plus, and now value add, right? And so in terms of returns. You know, it's going to be a little bit higher, um, of course. So quick summary, just to put a bow on this is as outlined, because this is a value add asset, there's an opportunity for increased returns. There's the risk associated too, as always. Remember, this is very similar to what is a fix and flip. And there's so much to do with the asset management and improving operations. Okay, finally, we've got the fourth one we talked about here, or the third, right? But the fourth, we've got opportunistic. And with opportunistic, it carries the highest risk of these investment strategies, but also the highest return. Now, the strategy is focused on finding, leveraging, and fixing structural weaknesses related to a property to produce outsized investment returns. There's also uh, also new land development, new new building is is considered opportunistic as well. But in general, you know, it could be that something needs significant. Um, work to and is in, in almost, almost distressed and it's complete turnaround so the opportunistic strategy you know buying distressed assets via you know from a you know a forced seller or an asset that has been critically mismanaged critically mismanaged you know so if we talked about stabilized at 80 percent think about it much lower than that as an example type of strategy that a new investor would would you know would go after and need uh, significant property experience and management experience. Um, and if you don't have that as a new investor, it's not something you want to go after, of course, would be the other way to say that. So example, this is applying to a property could be that, you know, completely vacant at the time of purchase and acquisition, you know, it could be very well be the development of raw land, some kind of building uh, and a build to rent, which is a BTR or a build to sell, which is a build to sell off to. I'm going to talk about those in initial episodes. And I've got some exciting guests to bring on that I think are, are absolutely outstanding. You guys are going to want to hear from. So these offer the highest returns in the business plan, if successful, also come with the highest risk. Um, the thing is, is that you know, sometimes there's going to be little to no cash flow at the time of acquisition because there's so much that needs to be done before you can get tenants in place and actually started to have someone start paying you, right? But again, risk is the highest and return is the highest. And as a quick summary here, you know, the opportunistic plans are the increased risk over all of the other strategies, core, core plus, and value add, but they have the most opportunity in the upside. It is, in fact, called opportunistic. And whether it's completely rehabilitating or building or developing a raw land for rent or uh, sale of property also means the most skilled investors and managers need to be involved. All right, so moving on here is that how do these strategies relate to the type of multifamily assets? So as you can probably already make some inferences on how these strategies map to multifamily properties. So with core, the type of properties mostly look like A-class properties, newer, more stable tenants, relatively low risk and return and, you know, retains value as well, but there's slower returns. So if you're looking to add those more stable returns that, you know, you're, you're 
your check is coming in uh, and you don't have to worry about that. And that's a, play, a great place to make investments, right? Passive investments, as an example, into your portfolio. But the uh, returns were going to be lower as well, but they're dependable, right? And that's that's the point here. So on the value add, strategies in the NAB, right? This is the value add and it's like that buy, fix, and flip. When it comes to multifamily properties, we're thinking about B and C properties that fit into this strategy. So if you want slightly higher returns and you still want you know, medium risk as well, again, vet the operators here, vet the people that are executing the business plan, the asset managers, the, you know, the people, the acquisitions team, then value add is a great place to be. So two property types, we're talking, you know, fixing deferred maintenance, vacancies, and other operational items that would need to get fixed. Uh, and these issues or value add opportunities are what allows to reduce the vacancies, bring more income, raise the value of that property for stability. And of course, that sell off and big checks after that is the point. Opportunistic, these are distressed. Uh, repossessed or it could be brand new builds. This is the highest risk and highest return and takes uh, a lot of experience in these particular um, things that need to happen. The the building, the developing, the you know the rest of the strategy involved as well. And I mean, all different all different strategies, different types of skill sets. Even though it's real estate. So that said, we're talking about this third point here. And I told you I would describe what I'm currently focused on right now. And point blank, the strategy I have selected for me is the value add for those B and C properties. This is an area where it, it makes a lot of sense um, for me. It's an area where we can add value to these types of properties and use the skills that uh, I have acquired um, and certainly have spent a lot of time to learn. Thank you to many, many of the people that I have talked with and, and partners, uh, people at events, uh, the time spent learning this. But um, and a lot of the, the skills derive from from tech as well, program management, looking at a lot of numbers, analytics, whatever it is. These are directly translatable in case anyone was wondering. It was a huge question for me too. But anyway, this is where I've seen a lot of success uh, targeting my passive investments right now too and what I'm working on acquiring uh, in the Texas markets. So for me, I invest in other projects passively, but I also spend time going and sponsoring my own deals. Does it take a lot of time to, to do while I still work a tech job? Absolutely. No doubt about that. Anyone who tells you different has a bridge to sell you somewhere, I am sure. It takes a lot of time to build relationships, analyze properties, and constantly learning about topics in real estate and business. But I love it. And some others would rather go hiking, play video games, board games, etc. Um, I love doing this stuff. And it's just, it's just what I enjoy. I enjoy CrossFit and other things too, but you know, just put it out there. So anyway, in summary, uh, I realized that we went through a lot into these strategies. Um, I'll probably create a blog post or do a link somewhere else so that you can see these. It's always nice to hear and see them. Um, but uh, there was a lot of information and you don't have to pick just one of them. In fact, like I said, you know, you could actually do is invest in multiple types of strategies so that you would have a more diverse portfolio in your real estate assets. This way you'd still get the benefits of real estate investing and also diversify yourself too, right? Lots of way to diversify in an asset type, such as in real estate, um, not just, you know, stocks and bonds and whatever, but you can diversify across different asset classes. Just calling that out. Also, I, again, I realized we didn't do a lot into the return profile, right? We talked about IRR, the internal rate of return, very briefly. 
Um, and there's other related metrics, things like equity multiples, like how, you know, how much multiple are you getting for your investment? We're going to go into these a lot deeper. Uh, I know we skimmed over that. I just wanted to address it, but I just wanted to make sure that you understood this understood the risk and return profiles for these strategies as we keep on going deeper and deeper and deeper in them as well. Now brings me to, you know, uh, just mentioning that this, these were the foundations. So bringing us to the quote of the day. See, I loved this quote in particular as someone who gets super excited about learning a bunch of different things and wants to learn absolutely everything I can. Um, I've really had to work and, and reel in, you know, that shiny penny syndrome, so to speak. But this one resonated with a lot with me. And as you learn about all of these different strategies, I wanted to share this with you too. And this quote is... Another, none other by Mr. Steve Jobs, is strategy is figuring out what not to do. Strategy is figuring out what not to do. And the point I'm making is that while you can have a diverse portfolio, and I'm saying mix and match what makes sense for you, there's still a lot of different things in real estate, a lot of different asset classes. Each of them has a whole, you know, whole set of knowledge attached to it. Multifamily is different than self-storage, which is different than mobile home parks, which is different, whatever. A lot of foundational principles all work together, but you know, single family homes are way different than commercial too. And it's a good idea to continue to build your criteria. And that means figuring out what not to do so you can focus on what you should. All right. All that Quick recap, covered four different types of strategies, core, core plus, value add, and opportunistic. All these strategies come with their own risk and return profile. Uh, core and core plus, multifamily properties, we're talking class A buildings, stable, low return, lower risk, value add, B and C properties, providing greater returns if the business plan is properly executed. And finally, opportunistic strategies align with the class D type of properties or new builds, including developing raw land. So, okay, bringing us for the action board today. Today, I want you to pick a strategy based off of today's episode. Just one, just one strategy start, and I want you to learn about that, right? Are you someone that would want to go after lower returns with or lower risk of uh, your investment, taking like an A-class property type is where you'd want to put it, your money. Are you somewhere in the middle and would go for a value-add strategy, looking for a B and C properties, where you might want to double your money every three to five years, in this example. A little more risk might go along with that return. Or, or are you someone that loves the idea of being opportunistic? Hey, we're going to go all in. A little bit more risk is cool. I'm going to do as much mitigation as possible, but I want that higher relative risk because I want a higher payout too. Where, where are you in the spectrum? The why, pretty simple. I want you to do this right now, today, because I want to get a set, a sense of direction for you, right? There's no wrong answers here. Just go and pick one. If you had to pick one, in less than 10 seconds, you had to mix and match, pick one, write it down, and let's move, right? Ask yourself what kind of risk and return you'd prefer. Remember, we're stacking on what you've learned about commercial real estate types, multifamily and multifamily classes so we can build a set of criteria for our own investment strategy. You can always change your mind, but getting some aligned will at least set you in a direction and you can always mix and match later on too. That's what I'm saying here. So when investment opportunities do start coming across your desk, virtual desk, right? Email, whatever, you will know what to say yes to and when you see it and what to no say no to. So go ahead, pick out one. Remember something you can always change. 
and just pick it. Because remember, like Mr. Steve Jobs said, strategy is figuring out what not to do. And that's the point. All right, wrapping up for today. Uh, on the next episode, we're going to be talking about passive and active investing. Uh, what does it mean to be passive and active? Uh, we're going to be talking about syndications. This is a huge one you're going to want to listen to, right? Um, you know, we're going to be talking about passive active as well. Which one makes sense to be? Uh, can you mix these two? What does that look like? Of course, we'll contextualize this. Might be a good idea for you. All of our criteria is is has to be aligned to your goals. And um, just some of the topics we'll be addressing on that next episode. So if this helped you, please share and let me know what you enjoyed. I really do want to hear what you enjoyed. It helps me continue to uh, route and, and build on topics. You know, I'm, I'm putting these topics set together based off of uh, some of my friends um, and colleagues that I've worked with in tech because, and what I uh, was learning on this path as well. So would love to hear from you. You can reach out to me at steven at aritacapital.com, steven, S-T-E-V-E-N, at A-R-I-T-A-C-A-P-I-T-A-L, Arita Capital. Or you can reach me at the.real.arita at, on Instagram, that's therealarita. And again, if you have episodes, right, topics you would love to hear about, let me know. So thanks for joining me on this episode of Path Passive. I will see you next time. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Path to Passive. We love connecting with our listeners and those on the path to architecting their wealth and improving their lives. Feel free to let us know what topics you'd like to see in future episodes. Get in touch with us through email or Instagram. See you next week for a new episode.